Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Today we're going to look at daring to put God first instead of maybe some regrets or some issues or some problems because we all follow something or, or someone. It may be our career, and that becomes the, the, the influence that decides that guides our decisions, it may be money, it may be a person, or fame, or, or it may even be me, myself. I'm, I may always do whatever's best for me, and that's maybe my guiding principle in life. And whatever or whomever we follow determines what or who is first in our lives. The Bible says that when that isn't the Lord God, then it is a god, but it's a little g god. It's an idol is what the Bible calls that. Our God is the one thing or the one person that I can never give up. I mean, push comes to shove, I can't put it out of my life because at least at this point, it is the basis of my life. It is what tells me who I am or what my life means or what I should be doing. And the Bible tells us that we should follow big G, God, and put him first. In fact, in Exodus 20, the Lord God said, very first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me or in place of me. Jesus, son of God, put it in a little bit different way, but he said the same thing when he said in Matthew 22, and he said it also in Mark and, and, and uh, uh, Luke, He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all of your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus knows that when we live our lives with anything else besides God first in our life, ultimately it's not going to work as well. And again, the world around us sells us that money or work or a person or a power or something else, anything created, can give our lives meaning and satisfaction and identity and the fulfillment that we're looking for. I read recently Pastor Tim Keller, something he said on MSNBC's Morning Joe show. Uh, he, he was talking about work and careers and, and success and talking about the dangers of letting work be first in our lives. And he said this, he said, when you make your work your identity, if you're successful, it destroys you because it goes to your head. If you're not successful, it destroys you because it goes to your heart. It destroys your self-worth. He went on to say, faith in Christ gives you an identity that's not in work or accomplishment and that gives you insulation against the weather changes. If you're successful, you stay humble. If you're not successful, you have some ballast. Work is a great thing when it is a servant instead of a Lord. I loved it as I read that, and and, and that, that can apply to any area of our lives. Jesus explains the dangers when we we face when we put our faith in, when, when we invest our time in anything besides big G God. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. 
But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds crash against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And of course, here's the thing. For most of us, it's not raining all the time. And so there are times when we can have the wrong foundation and everything is going pretty well. Our life seems okay. We're pretty happy with it. In fact, for a while it may seem even better because it is easier to build a house on sand than to securely root it into rock. But there always comes a day when the sand is not going to cut it. You may not see the storm clouds coming until they strike. And if you waited until that day to realize it, you may lose a lot. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. C.S. Lewis put it a little differently, but the same thing. He said, put first things first, and we get second things thrown in. Put second things first, and we lose both first and second things. A daring faith puts God first and follows him through Jesus Christ, trusting and believing that, that in getting our priorities straight, it leads to the life we were created for, the life God created us to live. And this morning, we want to explore how we actually do that. You know, many of you know our mission here at Gateway is, is to lead everyday people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And I want to say it's not to become followers of Christ, like all I got to do is just simply make a profession of faith and that's good enough, but to become fully devoted, to make Christ the center of our life, to make him the guidepost and the, and the, the touchstone and the foundation and the rock in everything I do. And we focused our efforts around four words, commit, connect, serve, share. That, that serve, we believe, is a description of what a fully devoted follower of Christ looks like and also a prescription for how then his followers are to live, to in fact, in practice, put God first. And the first one is we commit. We commit, at the basis level, we commit that enable us to, in ways that enable us to follow Jesus Christ. We commit our lives to him. Commitment, commitments matter in a life of faith because your, shape, your life is shaped by your commitments. We become whatever we're committed to. If we're committed to nothing or if our commitment's not very strong, we may have a good start, but we may not get where we want to go and miss out on so much life has to offer. Maybe you saw this viral video last fall that just kind of says it's called Pizza Rat. Watch. Live your best life. Okay, now what does that have to do? Here's the thing. That rat started out carrying something bigger than him. It was something big. It was something he needed, he wanted. And yet at some point along the line, something happened that, 
that deterred him, and he left it behind. He stopped what he was doing, and, and he went off elsewhere. And, and how often is it that, that God has put a dream on our heart, has pointed us in a direction, has started us to do something, much like that, that previous video where we saw people writing their regrets, where somewhere along the line our commitment peters out or it gets hard, and so we stop trying. And just like the rat, we miss out on what we, some great prize or some great thing that we found that we would enjoy. How often do we miss out because we don't carry through our commitments, especially a commitment to follow Jesus Christ? I, I want to suggest to you that for a lot of people, maybe even some of you in this room, that was you. And you started carrying that piece of pizza a little bit, but then somewhere along the line, you dropped it. It became too big a burden, or there were too many people watching, or it was uncomfortable. We are shaped by our commitments. And to do great things in this life, you and I need to commit to a cause bigger than ourselves that gives us something to live for. I mean, if you're only living for you, that's not enough of a reason to get out of bed. But the problem is that a lot of folks are afraid of making commitments. We don't want to be tied down. We're afraid something better will come along. Commitment itself, there's a cost. We don't want to necessarily pay the cost. Marriage is a commitment. And it's a commitment some hesitate to make. Yet sometimes what we know is it is the commitment itself that gets us through challenges and adversity. Friday night I was at a conference called the Kingdom, Conf Kingdom Family Conference and uh, Priscilla Shire and Tony Evans and others were there and they, they had people stand up if you'd gone through a, a really hard time in your marriage and had thought about quitting and, and, and considered quitting but somehow by the grace of God you had made it through. And across the room we were in there were, there were hundreds it looked like of people across the whole room who stood and, and they said, now, we want to show you these people to show you that, that it is possible that God can work even in the midst of what you think there is no hope. If you will live out, if you will stay in that commitment. And it's amazing. And I've heard it, and some of you could tell the same story, that what you thought was going to die through that commitment that kept you in it and going and pushing through, and God brought you through it. Now, it's not easy. It takes humility. It takes sacrifice. I don't want to say that just because I'm committed, everything works out. When I'm committed, it's harder. When I'm committed, I've got to do some things I may not want to do that may not be comfortable or convenient. The same is true in our faith lives. It is the commitment to Christ that has to come first, and that commitment then opens the door for God to do even more in and through us. Romans 6.13 says, give yourselves completely to God. Notice that word completely, not partially, not conveniently, not occasionally, completely to God. That's commitment. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. That's the highest commitment you and I can make in life, to give ourselves completely to God, to be used by him for his purposes. They're the purposes he created you for. In Romans it says, since God has shown us great mercy, I beg you to offer your lives as a living sacrifice. Not 
as an easy choice, as a living sacrifice to him. Your offering must be only for God and pleasing to him, which is the spiritual way for you to worship. The Bible tells us that offering our lives to God is the greatest offering, the greatest sacrifice we can make because it has eternal implications, and not just for ourselves, but often for others around us. If I went around the room and I asked you, how many of you came to faith on your own? Some of you would raise your hand. But if I said, how many of you came to faith because of the witness or the, 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 another person in your life? Well, let's just do it. How many people came to faith because of somebody else in your life who witnessed or showed themselves to you? Look, look, all over the room, all over the room. It has huge implications. This commitment begins with committing our life to Christ, but it is not a one-time, one-off commitment. It is about building then an ongoing relationship. You know, I, I get to do weddings, and it's very interesting. I've never seen this happen where a couple who's so in love and so excited, we come up and we do the, the wedding ceremony, and, and, and I pronounce them husband and wife, and they go off, and then they go off, and then they just go their separate ways. Well, I was committed. I did it. Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? No, we intuitively know that that is the beginning of a growing relationship. That is the beginning of where a bond of commitment now has been built around us within the community that others see it and within ourselves because we made it that then carries us through, perhaps, adversity. You talk to couples who have been married 50 years, and we're a young church. There are not many couples in this church that have been married 50 years. But what I have seen over the years is most of those couples say, hey, we didn't have it easy. We didn't have a life where everything always worked great. We didn't have a point where we were wondering if we would make it. That's more the exception than the rule. And that commitment that commitment is the beginning of spending even more time and better time together. It's, it's best when that commitment is lived out every day, all throughout our day. And so a commitment to Jesus Christ involves a lifestyle of commitments to him every day. If you, have a, if you made a commitment to Christ at some point in your past, but you have not followed up on that and you're wondering why it's no big deal, it may be because you got married and then you went your separate way. And you forgot it's a relationship. I love Daring Faith because it challenges to commit to daily read our journals, okay? We, we initially ordered 1,200 of these. We sold out of them last week. We had to order some more this week. So we've got some more on hand. It's an opportunity to spend time each day reading and reflecting on God's Word. And it doesn't mean every time you read, it's like every time, you know, oh my gosh, oh my gosh but you'll be amazed how often those do come around when you're committed to it and not just checking the box, okay, I, I'm supposed to read, I'm gonna do it. No, God, what do you wanna say to me today in and through this scripture? The key is how you continue spending time in God's word each day. And, and in a few weeks when we finish this journal, we're gonna be offering you some additional suggestions of how you can pick up some other tools and some other means to continue spending time in God's word for those of you that this is something new. Next week, we offer a membership class, which gives you an opportunity to commit to partnering with Gateway in this journey. Maybe a 
tool and a commitment that will be helpful to you in that. A second way we follow Christ, then, is to connect to one another. I mean, we've kind of already alluded to that. We, we learn who we are, our true identity, in relationship with others, in community. The Bible says specifically that we need to be connected to God's family, the body of Christ. And the church is the visible expression of the body here on earth. In Romans 12, it says, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of a chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of the body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? Now, that's a, kind of an interesting take on that from the, the, the message paraphrase and kind of graphic, but it's also pretty obvious if you think about it. My ear only functions as it is connected to this body. If for some reason the ear, and I know the ear is more than just simply this flap of skin, but if the ear or the hand or my nose or an eye somehow gets separated from my body, it loses its ability to function. It doesn't accomplish what it could do otherwise. The purpose of ears and eyes and hands and liver and knees, they only function and they only fulfill their function when they're connected to the whole body. And there is no way for you to figure out their functions unless they're connected. You come across and you find a piece of liver lying on the ground, unless you got a medical degree, you probably don't know what to do with it. Unless you fry it with onions. And some of you won't even like that. See, if we're not connected to the body, the body, the Bible says, is the church, we're going to have a hard time knowing our purpose because it's through relationships. It's through our vertical one with God, but also our horizontal one with each other. God works in both of those, and, and we need both in order to discover that. The Bible says all kinds of things. A couple of verses, Galatians 6.2, share each other's burdens and this way obey the law of Christ. Hebrews 10.25, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Remember, we encourage you to be here every Sunday in this series or to watch it online and to be in a small group. Why? Because it's a biblical admonition. It's not because we think we're so smart it's because God has already told us these things. And this is what happens in the church and what gets lived out, especially in small groups. Right now, we have dozens of groups meeting across the area during Daring Faith. We even have, an, I, I, I see them as far away as Kingwood, right? Kingwood, right over there, I know. And, they got, and they, they've got some others with them. Offering our church family opportunity to meet together to encourage one another, to help one another in the journey. Because honestly, I mean, it, it's hard to build relationships in this big room where there's several hundred of us here all at the same time and, and where you're going to go out different doors and you're parked in different places in the parking lot. You've got to break it down into smaller groups. Our ongoing life groups, our short-term journey groups are ways to do that. Some of you have been meeting together as a journey group for Daring Faith and you may even want to consider going on after the six weeks. 
to, to, to do more, maybe even to become a life group. I've been reading some incredible stories. Man, and we're going to be continuing to share some of those with you, of the wonderful ways God is working in and through, through groups. And we're going to be sharing with our hosts in the coming weeks about how if they or the group is interested in going on. And we'll be offering some additional materials for, for the weeks after Easter so that it's an opportunity for that group to continue to grow and build and, and, and join in being connected. Another great way to get connected is serving on a ministry team. I walk in here and the ushers, they're standing back there before the, we open the doors. And I mean, these guys have gotten to know each other through the years and talk and they're sharing stories. And, and I love seeing that. And that's just one part of one team among many teams spread out across the church and children, student, hospitality, arts. And the beauty of these groups is that God uses them to actually grow us. Ephesians says he makes the whole body, Christ's body, the church, fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Listen, you help someone else grow. If you're going to put yourself in a position, in a mindset to say, it's not all about me, God can use me. Not that I know how, not that, I'm this, that I know everything or I have all the answers, but somehow in doing this stuff together, God works. He's always worked. He started with 12 disciples who couldn't be more different and today it stands as 2.3 billion of us. God works through each other. A third way we follow Christ is also to serve, to serve both my, my church and my world. You know, to experience significance in life, I have to, I have to step out beyond myself by, by serving with others in ministry. And ministry is you know, we use the word ministry sometimes like it's some special thing, but ministry is simply loving my neighbor and doing good for others. And it's it's the most simple thing. That's what it is, and it's done because of the love of Christ in us. Significance does not come from status. I may be prominent, but I'm not necessarily significant. Like if I just had the right kind of car, I was wearing the right kind of clothes, I lived in the right neighborhood, that that somehow would make me significant. Significant comes from serving. It's looking at the long picture the big hall. God wired us so that we realize our significance as we give our lives away for a greater cause than ourselves. Listen, you and I cannot be both selfish and truly significant at the same time. Yet we know that selfishness is a huge issue in, in 21st century America today. The Bible says, though, each of you has received a gift to use to serve others. Be good servants of God's various gifts of grace. Because listen, the gift, the talent, whatever you have was not given to you for you. Not for you to say, look at me. Quite honestly, it was given for somebody sitting in the area. Somewhere, maybe within arm's reach or four or five persons in some direction or another, odds are there is somebody there that God gave that gift to you for them to make a difference in their lives. 
to be used, maybe not directly, maybe not in the way that they ever see it. But they were not given for the benefit of you. And conversely, those who are seated near you, their gifts weren't given for them. They were given for the good of the body. That's exactly what Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 12. And so we need each other. Jesus said, if you try to hang on to your life, manage it yourself, make it all about me, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. God created you to serve in the body of Christ with others in God's family, the church, in a state of connection and relationship. Jesus says one day we're going to all stand before him in heaven, and we're going to be, we're at that point, we're going to have to account for our lives and the things that he entrusted to us. And to those of us who have sought to live each day to, to its fullest, to live out our commitment to Christ and our connection with other followers of him, to serve our church and our world, to share the good news, God is going to say, Scripture says, essentially, good job. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my, these brothers of mine, you did it for me. My serving has eternal implications. And you may be thinking in the moment that that kid is thrown up in your foot or somebody is, does not appreciate at all what you are doing that there's no way this could have eternal implications. But I would suggest to you that maybe it is precisely because of those things sometimes that there is, because you are there. You are there. In the early church, years of the early church, plague would come into a community and, and, and the pagans would leave. What would the Christians do? Many of them stayed. In fact, many of them got sick and died for the sake of the others. But the comments that were made about them is, we were looking at those Christians, see how they love. It changed lives. We stand on the shoulders of those people who were willing to commit for the sake of others, to serve when somebody did throw up on their foot or did not care that you offered something of any value because all of those things build together. Finally, a fourth way we follow Christ is to share, and, and, and specifically, the good news. A daring faith seeks to share with others God's story, how it has impacted our story, and, and in telling that story, it helps us become actually more and more a part of the big story of God altogether. God has a mission for each of us, and our mission here at Gateway is to intentionally help you fulfill the mission God has created you to do. Our mission is not to do it all, like the staff or the leaders. Our mission is to equip and encourage you to do what God has called you to do. Jesus gave this mission as the last thing he did physically here on earth before he ascended to heaven. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, not just of the folks you like or the people who look like you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which we'll be doing next Sunday. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God has been working out this purpose throughout history and I guarantee you that he hasn't given you a purpose in life that does not in some way connect to and serve his overall plan. You may have your own plan, it may not fit, 
But if you are seeking to follow Christ, if you have committed to him, then he has created you to be a part of a body to fit in to his plan and his purpose. He is building a family for eternity. And here on earth, we call that family the church. The Bible also calls it the kingdom of God, which is, in simple terms, it's just wherever God reigns. Not necessarily a physical patch of land, but in a, a physical heart. The Jews kept thinking, though, it was about a physical kingdom. It was about space, that it was somehow they were going to regain certain land. And someday when Jesus returns, yes, land will be a part of it. In fact, he will redeem not only our lives, but also redeem the land. But for now, it is a spiritual kingdom. And this kingdom is marked by love. That's what defines it. That's what sets it apart. And when you start receiving and understanding this love that God has first shed on you, if you understand it, if it has impacted you, you will start to want to share that with others. In 1 John 4, John writes this. He says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved, but that he loved us. Elsewhere, John says, not that we loved, but that he first loved us while we were, as Romans said, still sinners, before we got our act together. He, he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. He's saying that as we love our neighbor by sharing with them the good news, that love that we first received from God, that first accepted us, that first transformed us, is now working through us and in us to transform us for the sake of others, to love them for who they are. Here's the thing, sharing the good news with others is a spiritual practice that not only blesses others, but is a fundamental way that God grows us and matures our faith. Because it, it may be something very uncomfortable. And I'm not talking about getting into somebody's face, and I'm not talking about pounding in them. I'm talking about living life alongside someone for a period of time and looking for times when God gives you an opening. Because I guarantee you, he will give you an opening if you're watching for them. It's interesting that in the original Greek here in, in, in the verse 12 is a form of the word teleos that means becoming what we were created to be in the first place, that loving others is how God grows us, matures us, transforms us into being the people he created us to be in the beginning. What was intended in, in Genesis chapters one and two. And so a daring faith shares the good news, and, and we need to be looking for those opportunities. It doesn't mean that we, we've got it all down. It doesn't mean I've got all the answers. It doesn't mean I understand it all, but we said a couple of weeks ago, that's okay. It does mean our commitment to Christ and our love that he has put upon us and, and lived in through us drives us to love others and choose to share it with them. I've always loved this definition of evangelism, but it's, it's also sharing the good news from a guy named D.T. Niles. He said, evangelism is one beggar 
helping another beggar find food. It's not one brilliant Christian teaching someone else. It's someone who's in the same boat, who maybe doesn't have all the answers and hasn't got it all figured out, but something has changed and mattered enough in their life to offer it to another. We can do that in our daily lives. We can do that by inviting people to church, to Easter. But what's been cool and wonderful is hearing and reading how many of you have been inviting friends and coworkers to your groups. We've gotten some incredible stories about how great an experience has been that you invited people who probably will never come to our church. You've invited people who, who maybe aren't even sure if there's a God. And they've come to your home, maybe instead of ever walking through the doors of this building. And God is using that in incredible ways. And I look at all this, and, it, and I hope you see how it's all interconnected, that we really can't talk about commit or connect without talking also about serve and share because you have to commit to this and that connects you with others with whom you serve but that, to become the environment in which we share our own faith story. I mean, when we serve and when we share and when we commit and when we connect, we are following Jesus in tangible ways that put God first. And I know daring to live like that in, to, in this day, in this age, is a challenge. Because the world around us keeps telling us to live for out, look out for number one. Take care of yourself. You deserve this. But a whole movement has formed that is calling us, in fact, to put ourselves second. Some of you maybe have seen or some of the videos or heard the stories, I am second. And, and I, I want to just share with you one brief testimonial from dozens this is from Brady James, played linebacker at LSU, then with the Cowboys where he led in tackles for three years. Don't, don't count him out because of that. He played one year for the Texans in 2012 too. But just, just for a couple moments, watch this. You know, living a life of, of second is, I wouldn't say it's frustrating, but you lose some friends. You lose some people that before you could hang out with. And people start noticing that you're not doing what you used to do. Playing football, everything is all about who becomes the champion. In my game, sometimes it's all about who has the biggest ego has the biggest car or the house and this and that. I was living a worldly life. I was living for myself, doing the big eye. Why do I play the game of football? You have to be passionate about when you play and you have to put everything you can in it. But was I playing for the right reasons? Was I playing for myself? Was I playing to get the big house, get the big car? God has given me all this talent. What was I playing for? Start figuring out that I was only facing what other men have met. Start back really going to church. I started really trying to understand where my faith lied. I picked up the Bible and I started reading. 
It was Romans 12, 2. I'll never forget it. That verse says, do not conform to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. For some reason, something clicked. I have to renew my mind. If I renew my mind, then my actions will, will definitely follow. God has given me this talent, and if I do my best, and if he receives all the glory, then that's really what it's about. Yeah, I've had a lot of guys ask me what's going on with me. I like it when they ask me that because it's my chance to, like, disciple or tell them the good news. I give them food for thought and then help bring them back to their spirituality. I live my life uh, for God's approval, trying to live up to somebody else's expectations. I'll never get there. We all have a story and we all have a platform. And it's funny how uh, God can take what we think is a mess and turn it into a message. The reason why I play, finally, that I really know, no matter what I go through, no matter if we lose, win, I'm playing for a bigger audience, a bigger purpose. It's all about him. My name is Brady James, and I am second. Daring put God first means, in essence, choosing to say, I am second. I am not the center of the universe. And if I put myself there, I'm setting me up and the people around me for a lot of hurt. It's hard to do today. But as Brady shows us, it's also an opportunity. And part of that opportunity today, maybe even for some of you committing your life to Christ, take that turn. Start doing something different. Or saying, I'm going to do more than play at my Christian faith. I'm going to do more than just make it convenient. I'm going to dare to put God first. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will then Prayer team will be down here if you want to talk with them about any of that. We still have, do have now, again, some Daring Faith journals if you want to go out there. And just join in. Even if you don't end up in a group, join in to start reading. Start spending some time each day because that's how you commit to following Jesus Christ. Put God first. And if you're visiting today, I and some others will be out over here, and we'd love to say hi to you. If you're a Gateway member, and you, you're with somebody, or you met somebody new, bring them over there to, to meet us. We would love to do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you created us, that life even exists because of you. And your first commandment says to put God first, that there would be no other gods with a little g other than you. 
and our world and our culture invites, cajoles, tempts, even demands that we put others ahead of you. Father, help us today to dare in faith to put you first. And it's not not as a one-time commitment, not as something that I'm gonna fulfill only in the next 30 or 40 minutes, but that it becomes my life. And so I do the things that I have to do to live that out by committing to you, by connecting with others, by serving and by sharing my story so that I live that. And what's more, you can use that Touch the lives of others. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Dare to put God first. God bless you. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.